We are still in our relationship series. And if I could be honest, um, I've been at Crossroads here in, in the youth world for about six years. This was probably the hardest sermon to write because we're dealing with some really hard, really sensitive topics. And I think the reality is we live in a world where we have screwed up sex. We messed it up. No one else did it. It wasn't anybody's fault. It was our fault. And since we screwed it up, my hope tonight is not, it's not for you to feel shameful walking out, but it is for you to know the truth. That's what I care about. And as I dive into things tonight, the other thing I want you to know is I screwed up this path a long time ago also, and I hope you walk out saying, I want to be better than him. That would be, man, that is my hope for all you guys all the time, thank you very much, is that you guys, you make better decisions, have fewer regrets, and follow God more closely than I ever have or ever will be able to. Because if I could go back to my high school year, I wish someone would shake me and say, you're messing this up. You're making it so much harder than it needs to be. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we make life way more complex than it ever has to be. The reality is, following Jesus, the idea of it is very simple. I have a two-year-old daughter, as, as most of you know, she's two and a half, and already she understands the gospel. The gospel means good news, that's what it translates to. And the good news is that Jesus died on the cross, rose again three days later for our sins. That's it. That's all we have to know, get, understand, and believe to follow Christ. That's it. As soon as you believe that Jesus actually walked on earth and died for your sins and rose again, then we understand who God is. Sometimes we overcomplicate it. But come back to the basics. And tonight, if you leave out of here more confused, maybe that's okay. But please, please, please remember the basics of who God is. He is a loving father and creator of this universe. And all he wants to do is have a personal relationship with you. Nothing else matters in comparison to your personal relationship with Jesus. That's what matters. So all that to say, let's dive into this. Whew, I'm a little sweaty. Um, tonight, we are going to talk about sex, sexuality, and sexual identity. I'm going to ask you this. As we dive into this topic specifically, this is a good idea for the entirety of your life, but specifically into this topic, I'm just going to ask that you have an open heart, an open mind, not necessarily for what I have to say, but what for God has to say. Some of you know that you came in with a closed heart and closed mind and said, I know the answer, and that's it. I can rightfully say, after studying God in all the possible ways, even going to a school to do it, I don't know if I know the answers. But together, we can walk through finding out who God is, what God does, and what that means for our life. So tonight, just keep an open heart and open mind for what God has to say. Anything that I have to say, you can throw out. My words are pretty worthless. I'm not a very smart person in general, but I do have a great big God. A great big God who knows everything 
and has so much love to give. All right, um, before we do it, I got to tell you a little story about my little child, little baby Mia. She's so cute. Anybody here seen Mia? You guys all know who she is? All right, if you don't know who she is, um, I'm sorry, one day you'll meet her. She's kind of our mascot. She's often here on Sundays and Wednesdays, and she kind of bounces around, and she says hello to every single person. So if you ever need a friend, come over to my house. She'll be your friend. She'd love that. Um, this last week or two, um, there's been a bunch of people at my house, so just know, and, and I'll say that at the end again, but just know, if you would like to talk more about this topic, or if you'd like to just eat a pizza, you're always welcome to come on over. Me and my wife would love to have you, especially if you want to play with a bouncing little two-year-old. Um, there was a time, though, before I had Mia, it's just my wife and I. And I want to tell you a little bit about the progression of having this child. It's kind of hard to understand. I didn't understand it at all until it happened to me. But my wife, you know, she was pregnant, and we, we go to the hospital, and, and Lindsay, she had a lot of complications. It's called, it, it, I don't have to get into details, but she went into labor, and she was trying to push out the baby. That would be the natural way things happen. You guys took sex ed probably in middle school. And after 30 hours of trying this, it didn't work. And so what happens is they do this thing called a cesarean or a C-section. It's just a surgery where they cut open the mom, they cut open Lindsay, and pull the baby out. Pretty crazy how we have the technology to do that. Super awesome. But I remember being in that room. And Lindsay and I, we, we were, she was laying down, and there's this cloth thing, so you can't really see anything going on. But I remember sitting right next to my wife's head and her holding her hand. And we're sitting there crying together. She's a little bit in pain, but also we're so excited for what's about to come. And we're looking into each other's eyes, praying and crying at the same time because it's very emotional. And I remember sitting there thinking, this is the craziest moment I've ever had in my life. I mean, I don't know how to respond. In matter of minutes, I will be responsible for a tiny human who ends up being six pounds. That's miniature. But I remember the exact moment when a doctor lifted up this little baby human. And as I was sitting next to Lindsay, I could just see Mia for the first time. The scary part was she wasn't crying, which when a baby's first born, when they're not crying, what it means is they're not breathing. And so I go through these emotions of, I'm so scared. And instantly I fall in love with this person that I don't even know yet. And what's actually happening is this, is this baby alive. And the nurse takes little Mia over to this little nurse station and hits her on the back. Eventually, after three or four times, you hear, wah, wah, wah. and as a parent, as a father, the emotions that run through you, all of a sudden, this thing that your wife has magically made inside of her person is now on this earth, and for the last nine months, you've been watching something grow but you don't, as a guy, it's kind of hard for us to understand because we never get that experience. What is going on in there? And now all of a sudden it makes sense. There's a person alive. And shortly after Mia starts crying, their nurse comes over and puts Mia into my arms. And Lindsay, they're having complications with Lindsay. You see, she had too many drugs of this and too many drugs of that because the doctors were trying to make sure everything was safe, but it gets complicated and they're trying to stitch her up. And while all this hustle and bustle and actually extra doctors were running in and there was alarm going off because Lindsay was actually in really bad shape, all of a sudden though, I had this moment where I just looked 
at Mia? A brand new human in this world, a perfect being. And for the first time in my life, I think I understood what love was. I've been married. I've been married for a couple years now, and and it was a beautiful time when I first got married and, and when we had the wedding, and I said, I do. And yes, that was love. But to hold my daughter was a love that I'll never be able to fully understand or communicate. You see, it's this thought of, this person came from me. And I remember in this split moment as the doctors are running around and freaking out and trying to stitch up Lindsay. And, and Lindsay's doing okay. She's just as emotional as me. But she's looking at the baby Mia too. We look at her together. And all I could think was, I love this baby. There's nothing. There's nothing this baby could ever do to make me love her less. There's nothing this baby could do to make me love her more. I'm topped out. I love her. And as I hold her, I could tear up now just thinking about it. As I hold her, I remember her life flashing before my eyes. One day she'll be a two-year-old and she'll jump around at church. One day she'll be 10 and she'll have double digits in her age. One day she'll get to drive and have a license. She'll get to go to prom. She'll go to college. Maybe one day she'll get married and she'll have her own kids. And I could see this life happen. I think for that split moment, it was probably only a matter of three to five seconds because as soon as, as, soon as I came back to reality, I had responsibilities. But for those three to five seconds, the world stopped. And it was just me falling in love with my baby. That still happens to this day. Don't get me wrong, I love my wife. First and foremost, my love goes to my wife. I will always love my wife for the rest of my life. But when I hold my child, she can do no wrong. Don't get me wrong, she's human, she's going to make dumb mistakes too, but... I never want to see her hurt. I never, there was the other day we were, we were on a bike ride. And I take her on a bike ride all the time. I just put her in the little baby trailer and we go biking. And we were on a bike ride and, and just so happens that my bike happened to hit a little tiny pebble that went and hit her in the arm. And for normal people, you know, who are grown up, it would have felt like a flick. But for her, she cried. And of course she's fine. There's not even a mark. She's going to be just fine. But as her father, I started to tear up because all of a sudden, my child was hurt. My child was in pain. I wish I could express the amount I love, the amount of love I have for my kid. I wish you could understand the feeling of holding a new life in this world that you created. And, and maybe, hopefully, one day, God will bless you with that. But I say that because for me, I got maybe one, maybe five percent. I maybe understood God's love one to five percent in that three to five second moment. 
I maybe understood the love that God has for you for a split second. Sometimes we forget that our God is not just an umpire calling balls and strikes. That our God is not just a mentor pushing you in the right direction. That our God is not just a parent telling you you're right and wrong. Our God is our dad. He is our heavenly father. And he just wants to hold you and say, baby, you are beautiful. And there's nothing you can do that would make me love you less. And and there's nothing you could do to make me love you more. Before we can talk about God's plan for sex and God's plan for marriage, I think we have to remember who our God is. He's our loving Father. And it does not matter if you have screwed up like me. It does not matter if you make different decisions like I have. He still wants to hold you and say, son or daughter, I love you. Sometimes during worship, I even do this. It might sound cheesy, but I even do this. Sometimes during worship, I'll sit in the back singing some song and I'll imagine my heavenly father coming up and just holding me. Because we have a God who loves you. I grew up with a lot of shame and regret. Like probably a lot of you. I grew up at a church, and my parents always told me, wait until you're married to have sex. I do believe that is God's perfect plan. I do believe that is the best plan. But what I don't want is to bring shame Shame is from Satan. Conviction is from God. And when you start to know the difference, then you know who God is. If you don't know the difference, I would just say the only way you're ever going to know God is by knowing his word. That is step one. So, here's the problem. The problem is we let our sexuality inappropriately define who we are. We let our sexuality inappropriately define who we are. It doesn't matter if you're gay or you're straight or you're transgender or or you're in a relationship or you're not. We have turned into what the culture says we should do and it's tearing us apart from the inside out. We let our sexuality inappropriately define who we are. I'm going to get into that more, but I want to show this video with you. Um, do you guys know who Amanda is? Amanda's one of our leaders. Amanda, raise your hand wherever you are. Over there, Amanda, hey! So Amanda's one of my favorite people. She has um, been through a lot in her life. She made silly decisions like a lot of us leaders did. Um, luckily, I want to tell you that she's on the other side. Now she's married to an awesome guy, and they have three wonderful children, and she lives a great life. But she took a really hard path to get there. 
And I have just a four-minute video, a little bit about her story. Let's watch this video. How would you say then either sex or sexuality defines you through high school? Um, I think I had rationalized that if I did have sex with somebody, it was going to have to be like I loved them. Um, and in high school, I had two serious boyfriends, both of whom I, I loved, both of whom I was intimate with. And I think um, that I rationalized it in, in my Christian brain, like it was okay because at the time I was going to marry him. It was, it, it was going to remedy itself when we said, I do. Yeah. Um, and then it didn't work out. And then I, I started dating another guy who, same thing. Like we had plans after high school. We had this whole thing mapped out. We were in love. Um, and so again, in my brain, okay, I screwed up once, but, but this time it's real. Um, we're, it'll be remedied or made right in the Christian world because we'll get married. And... Um, when that didn't work out, um, I think I just started to alter how I defined love or what it meant to be in love with somebody um, to the point where I, it, it didn't matter anymore. Like love was just something that I said. Um, it, it wasn't, there was no biblical definition for me. There was no biblical expectation for me. It was all just, um, I love you, I like you, I know you, kind of transitions, I guess. Tell us about the redeeming side, who you are today, how God used you today. I mean, you learned lessons. You said you had to take the, the hard or the road, hard road, hard path. What do you think today that role of human sexuality plays in still being a Christ follower, a mom, a wife, a, a, a youth leader, does it still play a role? And is it a good role? I don't know. I guess I just empathize and sympathize with the fact like I know it's hard. Yeah. But I know I'm going to cry. I know that it's not worth it. This sucks. Um. Going back to, I guess, like your analogy of like roses and jackets, like clearly I was a rose giver. Yeah. And I, I, I think, and I just think of my, my friend who did wait, she got married. Um, I think of like the, how beautiful it was for them to just to be able to explore and, and be vulnerable with each other. Um, safely with the, once they were married whereas <laughs> sorry whereas um i didn't have that opportunity because i'd already been vulnerable and built up walls so it was no longer like let's explore something and be vulnerable together it was more um to get to marriage um it was more of you have to break down a wall that i built so that <laughs> gosh it sucks so that we could have what god intended us to have Oh, that's horrible. No, that's great. That's you being real. Yeah. Oh, 
Give it up for Amanda. It's hard to be that real. If you know Amanda at all, um, she's not one to cry. I only say that because the decisions that she made in high school still affect her today. Right? God grew her to be a new person. That's what God does. You are made new every day in following Christ. But the decisions we make will still follow us, and they can still hurt. So, regardless, regardless of where you stand in your sexual orientation, here's what we know. We let our sexuality inappropriately define who we are. As soon as, I did this too, as soon as you have sex with somebody, it defines you. It's supposed to. That's actually how God designed it. The problem is, we let it take over our lives. When I was in high school, I had lost my V-card in my junior year to the girl that I was dating. I couldn't show up at church. I dropped out of the youth group. I left my small group. I couldn't be around my church friends at all. That's so the opposite of what our loving God wants. I believe our loving God wants us to wait till marriage, yes. If we screw up, he does not push us away. Just like I did with Mia, he just wants to hold you and say, I love you, son or daughter. But let's change directions here. I would say this. I believe the Bible is pretty clear on what it says about homosexuality. I think it talks about it in multiple times and in multiple places. I think God's perfect plan was for a man and a woman to be married. That being said, I do think if this is a struggle for you, let it be. Walk through it. Try to find out who you are. One of the things when I was talking to Amanda, um, I got to hear more of her story, and she'd love to share. I think that's true. Would you love to share your story with people? <laughs> she'd love to talk to you more if you want to know more about her story. That video is actually 12 minutes long. If you want the whole thing, I'd love to send it to you. But one of the things we figured out is what happens is I try to define who I am. When I try to define who I am, I get it wrong every time. When I let God define who I am, that's who I want to be. When I let God shower his love upon me and I no longer live in shame and I no longer live in this world where I, I thought I had to hide everything because if I'm not in this perfect box, then God's not going to love me or, or my church friends aren't going to love me anymore or, or I can't show up to church anymore. That is you deciding for yourself, who you think you should be. That is not what God said. God did not say, when you screw up, you should hide. He said, let your light shine before men. We are all human and we do all mess up. Whether you're addicted to pornography or got drunk last night or are sleeping with your girlfriend, these are all things that, yes, are sins. That, yes, maybe it's something you should look at more and say, I don't know if I should be doing this. But we have a God who just wants to hug you. Remember in John chapter 21, 
Um, there's this guy named Peter who, who did the worst of the worst sins. And instead, the next time John saw Jesus, Jesus made him breakfast. When we screw up, Jesus wants to make you breakfast. We may not. We may not be able to agree on whether or not homosexuality is a sin. Some of you might be sitting here saying, that's who I am. That is just fine. That does not make you a less of a person. That does not mean you're not going to heaven. What did I say at the very beginning? You go to heaven by believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, period. There is nothing else besides that. We may not be able to agree on whether or not it's a sin, but we can agree on this. We can agree that I want to be the person God sees. I want to be the person that God had intended me to be. I want to be defined by Christ and not defined by my sexuality. Look, I know I'm, I'm a dude too, and I, I went to high school too. At the lunchroom, anytime a girl walked by, you instantly have a conversation about, oh, she's hot or oh. I don't want to name names, but I've had this conversation many times with you guys. I get it. I can assume females, I don't know you as well, but I can assume you do the same thing. Oh, he's so pretty. But probably not. Um, oh, he's so, what a girl say? Cute, cute. Girl, he's so cute. Right? We did this. We allowed sexuality to define who we are. I have to look cute today. Oh, outfit of the day. We allowed for sexual attraction to define who we are. And I just wish I could tell you enough. I could say it till I'm blue in the face. Do not, do not let your sexuality define you. Whether it's that you're attracted to girls and they're super hot or you're trying to be the most attractive person in the room, or you're trying to get all the girls or all the guys, don't let your sexuality define you. Let Jesus define you. What a breath of fresh air. Now all of a sudden I have this freedom to be who I want to be instead of impress everybody else in the room. No longer do I have to worry about what this girl thinks or what that guy thinks. Instead, I can say I've got a great big heavenly father who loves me. I want to be the person God sees. If, if you are struggling with your sexuality and you are saying, you know, oh, I think I might be gay or I think I might be bi or I think I might be trans. The first question I want to ask before we get into is it wrong or is it right? I don't even think that matters, to be honest. The first question I want to ask you is, are you putting God first in your life? Do that. Most of us can't even get that right. But if you're in a place where you're just not sure, I totally understand. I've never told anyone this before, but i got to tell you this. When I was in high school, 
Um, I had a best friend. I don't want to say his name. <laughs> you might listen to this. It'd be weird. <laughs> I had a best friend. And we hung out all the time. You know, he, he drove before I did, so he gave me rides to school and, and to hanging out. And we, we were together. I mean, we had sleepovers, right? I had, like a, I had clothes at his house because I slept at his house and a toothbrush because I slept at his house all the time. And he had stuff in my house because he slept over all the time. We were together nonstop. Well, I remember after like a year of being best buds with this dude, I remember thinking, maybe I'm gay. I love hanging out with this guy, and maybe I even love this guy, but maybe I'm gay. A couple days later, I decided, no, I'm not attracted to this person. We're just really good friends. But I do remember having that thought and playing with that tension of, maybe I don't know who I am. And to me, that was scarier than anything else. So if you're in that world, where either maybe you think you're gay or bi or something, and, and you just don't know who you are, or you don't know who you are. The question I want to ask is, are you putting God first? Because when you put God first, and when you get to know God, let him define you. Not what other people say. Maybe not even what you think, because sometimes our thoughts could be wrong. But let God define you first. Here at Crossroads, one of the things, um, or at Garage specifically, one of the things we always land on, my job as a leader, right? It is God's job. (laughs) The Holy Spirit will convict. God will be the judge. I am here to love. And all of our leaders would agree with that statement. The Holy Spirit will convict. God is there to judge. We are here to love. I will never love you less. Ever. God will never love you less. Ever. But I want to ask the question, are you putting God first when it comes to your sexual relationships? When it comes to your sexuality? When it comes to your sexual identity? Are you putting God first? I know for me in high school, no, I never was. It's the same question I would ask somebody who's struggling with pornography. Are you putting God first? It's the same question I would ask for somebody who's struggling with gluttony. Are you putting God first? It's the same question I would ask for any struggles that we have. Are you putting God first? Really? I think one of the problems we have, I'm going to end on this, worship team can come up. Um, I think one of the problems that we, we get stuck with, especially today, is we get stuck with this thought. We get stuck with who we think we are supposed to be. We get stuck with who we think we've said before. Maybe I've told somebody before that I'm gay or I'm straight. And maybe like like the thoughts that I had, maybe they change. The problem is we get stuck with this label. And we let other people define us. One of the most freeing statements I ever heard was from a mentor of mine when I was in Australia. 
He said this. It might be one of those things you want to write down. He said this. You are under no obligation to be the same person you were five minutes ago. You are under no obligation to be the same person you were five minutes ago. We have a God, a great, big, beautiful, wonderful God who is forming us like clay, it says in Jeremiah. So no, I should be changing constantly to become the person God wants me to be. You are under no obligation to be that same person you were five minutes ago. You can walk out of garage tonight different if you want to be. If you are like, man, you know what, me and my girlfriend, we're just in this relationship, and yes, we do all those things. You don't have to be. You can be different tonight. Yes, people will judge you. Yes, people will call you all kinds of names. But that's not what matters. What matters is you have a God who loves you. Can you imagine what life could be like if I was no longer defined by my sexuality, but instead defined by Christ? Could you imagine if you no longer had to impress the boy or impress the girl? Could you imagine if you didn't have to tell people, well, I might have different views? Could you imagine what life could be like if you didn't have to live in shame if all of a sudden I said, it doesn't matter what people think, what matters is that I have a God who loves me. I think we have the opportunity to change culture. I think we have an opportunity to change what love is. I think we have an opportunity to show the world. It says in John 13, you will prove to the world that you are my disciples by how you love one another. Let's get that first. Before we worry about anything else, let's be defined by Christ and love one another. God's perfect plan. I'll end on this. God's perfect plan is for you to wait until you are married. There is about a billion reasons I can give you as to why that's a good thing. I mean, even the psych world, the, not the Christian world, talks about how it can be a major advantage to not getting divorced. I'll just say for me, I heard that same sermon so many times in high school and I never listened to it. I wish I did. I have very few regrets in this life because I believe God has me where I'm supposed to be. But I can 100% say that I regret having sex. Still. So if, if you're not in a relationship or that's something you haven't done yet, I just wanna encourage you, keep it that way. You will never regret that. If you were like me and you're like, man, I totally screwed this up. Don't feel shame. Let God define who you are, not Satan, not other people around you. And change. Change tonight. Say, that's not who I am anymore. That's not who God wants me to be. 
As of this moment right now, I'm a changed person. You can do that. You are allowed to. Let me pray and we'll jump into worship.